Anyway, last week we talked about how Paul liked to always encourage people. He wanted to build them up. He wanted them to see Christ's love. We saw at the end of our text how Paul was going to go back to Jerusalem because it was Pentecost, and there would be a lot of people there to hear the gospel. We also know that Paul knows that he's at great risk of going back to Jerusalem. Um, There's still a huge Jewish contingency in Jerusalem, obviously. It's Jerusalem. But it was too important to him for him to not go. Let's um, open up your Bibles, if you will, to Acts chapter 20. And we are going to start reading in verse 17. It's kind of a big chunk of Scripture. We're going to go all the way to 38. So, give you guys a second. And then, if you let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. Now, from... From Miletus, he sent, Ephes- he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public from house to house testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among, you, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who were sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
And when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on, on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied to him to his ship. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this time that we have to go through your word. We pray that you would use my mouth to speak your words. We pray that you would help us to put aside all the distractions of the outside world and just help us to focus on you for this time, Lord, that we could see your love, we could see your grace, we could see your hope, Lord, through what we hear today. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Honey, you think you can find me a tissue or something? Sorry, guys. My allergies for like three days now have just been, eh, probably now, that's three weeks now, have been killing me. Ragweed is really bad for me here. All right. So, the most famous love story of all time is written in a way most of us wouldn't believe. The man in the story has such a great love for his bride that he's willing to do anything for her. Unfortunately, we see the bride does not treat him that well. On many occasions, she's cheated on him. During their relationship, she's called him names. She's even left him. But oh, how he loved her. He almost even expected her to treat him this way because it was just normal. But there was something special that he saw in her. There was something that was worth fighting for. We'll get back to that story in a little bit. Another love story that we have in our text today is that just when, just when we think Paul, thank you, honey, just when we think Paul has pretty much given up on all the Jews, and starts to really focus on the Gentiles. He shows that he's not. He really wants to get back to the Jews because that's his love. How many of you have family members? It's kind of odd because this is all my family here. So how many of you have family members that you've shared about Christ with and they just blow you off? Or worse, they get hostile towards you and, and, and they mock you. Here's the thing. Don't feel bad because it actually happened to Jesus too. In Mark 6, 4 through 6, this is Jesus saying, and he said, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. We, we all do that. We subject ourselves to mocking and ridicule to help our family. We, we love our family more than anyone. They just won't listen. This is where Paul is at. He wants so bad for these people to accept Christ that he's willing to do anything. Paul wants to take one more crack at them, and he can't bear 
it's mainly because he can't bear to see them separated from God. First, before he goes back to Jerusalem, he wants to prepare his church. He's well aware of the consequences of, about, of what he's about to do. And before he does that, Paul calls the elders um, in the church of Ephesus to talk to them. Why? Because Paul loved them. He was so concerned that there was going to be bad things that happened to him when they got imprisoned, or when he got imprisoned. He loved them, and he wanted wanted them to know that something bad was going to happen, but he wanted them to be prepared. We also see that Paul was willing to endure this to help the people that he loved. Why? Because Paul exampled a sacrificial love that only Christ exampled. He wanted to show people how it wasn't about him, it was about the message. In verses 18 through 22, we see him talk about the hardships. He he faced these hardships with these people for three years in Ephesus. They surely didn't accept him at first. And if you remember, he had just fled from Macedonia where they were, they were beating him. And every single place Paul went, it was like that. But Paul toiled with hardship and with tears to bring them the gospel, even when there was plotting against him by the Jews. He did not stand down because they needed to hear the gospel message. He didn't back down when they beat him. He didn't back down when they stoned him because he loved them, even if they didn't love him. Love endures all things. We look at Christianity much different today. We don't see that urgency. We don't see the lost the way that Paul did or the way that Christ did. Quite frankly, that's a shame. We don't have a love for those that we don't know. But Paul did. He hated the idea of people not seeing Christ for that once and for all love offering of God. He hated the idea of even one person not hearing the gospel. He showed that by the suffering that he went through, He showed that he loved them because he kept doing it to bring them the message. We have a hard time getting to church on Sunday and think that's hardship. (laughs) Sunday, sometimes we think we have it rough because seriously, I mean, it starts at 10. That's like my day to sleep in. That's Saturday. <laughs> Seriously, look, look at look at what look at what Paul went through. Look at what Paul went through as far as sacrificing his own person to bring the gospel to us, and look at how we treat the gospel and the sacrifice that we go through to get up and come to church. 
It's literally, it's comical to look at the difference. And we, we shy away from having to tell people about Christ so many times. It's, it's, just, it's just something I wanted to point out to you guys to, to, to really think about. The other thing is that we tend to think of our relationship with Christ as our own. I've heard this so many times. And it's, it's, it's really, it's just not true. We as a church, how many, how many of you guys have ever heard somebody say that? Well, my relationship with God's my own. He's like my own personal God. And we as a church, we're the bride of Christ. It's not brides, plural. We aren't in our own little separated role apart from everyone else and, and nothing else matters to anyone. It absolutely, everything we do matters because we're all part of a bigger body. You, you can't be an isolationist Christian. The guy who turns on his TV and goes to church that, that weekend, the one who hates other Christians because they're all hypocrites, so he's not going to ever step foot in a church. You, you know, the, those people can't be trusted because they, they talk about other people. You guys ever met that guy? Paul was reaching out to the people he knew were probably going to beat him and imprison him. A, a far bit worse than somebody you just don't think is going to like you. He wanted to share the love of Christ with people that flat out didn't want to hear it. Love rejoices with truth, and Paul was willing to pay everything for people to see that truth. Think about your evangelistic walk for a second. How many of us are afraid to speak about Christ for fear of being made fun of? Or, or we don't want to ruin our friendship with somebody with that religious stuff. Everybody knows that you can't talk about politics or religion, right? Those are the two things you, you can't ever talk to somebody about. Wrong. Christianity is not for wimps. First Peter 4, 12-18 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when God is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. We've talked about this before. If somebody's not offended by you, you're not doing something right. God's not a, if, if you're not a threat to Satan, why would he bother with you? But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an, an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if someone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, 
What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteousness is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. We see an example of fearlessness from Paul. Why? Part of what I just read in 1 Peter Secondly, in verse 24, it says, But I do, not val- I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of grace of God. Paul's mission was more important than his own life. His mission was to testify and nothing else mattered. Here's the reality of us. We have the exact same command Paul did. We just don't take it anywhere near as seriously as Paul did. How many of us sit up at night just praying for the Lord to use us in any way that we can How many of us lay our personal nonsense aside to get the work of Christ done? The the reality is none of us do. But it's something to think about. Paul was an apostle. And I know that sometimes we look at the Bible that way. And we go, well, Paul was an apostle. He was a man. He was flesh and bones. Just like you and I. He had faith to endure and a fearlessness to stick with it. But he was just like us. Why do we not see the same pattern and follow it? Because the reality is it's an example that Christ gave too. It's that selfless, selflessness of laying down what our desires are for helping other people. And I know it's tough, but what happens when we don't do that? What happens when we aren't doing God's work? Paul told them that basically he wasn't going to see them again. And he warned what was going to happen in his absence. Not only would ravenous wolves come and just prey on the flock, but even some among them would start twisting the truth. We've talked about this before in previous teachings, how when we're not doing the things of God, we kind of tend to get separated from that. And when, when there's separation in there, that's when Satan gets in there and says things like, well, did God really? say that that's what Paul's warning about and he's telling he's telling these these are leaders in the church of Ephesus and he's telling them yeah even some of you are going to twist twist what the gospel message is 
But Paul wants them to know that he spent three years with them to give them the full counsel of God so that they knew exactly what is and what isn't. He wanted them to be prepared for the work of the enemy because he knew once he was gone, the enemy was going to come in there, swoop in full force, and they had to resist that. He loved them enough to disciple them. Do we spend quality time discipling those that we love? Or do we just do the little Christian-y things, give them the little one-liners to satisfy their Christian needs for the week? Do we, do we just say enough to make it look like we care? But not enough to like make them think we want to like really study with them or you know, hang out with them. We don't have that kind of time. Paul says, the, the, the Bible says that Paul spent three years, day and night, admonishing them with tears. The, the word admonishing here means that He's, he's warning or advising or counseling them for three years, day and night. The tears. He's going through emotional things with these people. He took the time to teach them and to prepare them, but he loved them. He loved them enough to prepare them for when he wasn't going to be there. He spent the time to give them the inheritance among all those who were sanctified. In today's world of cheap grace, where churches teach people they just need to let Jesus be their friend, think about, think about the gospel message that's out there today. God can be their co-pilot and they just keep on flying doing what they're doing. Or Jesus being their friend and all their worries are going to disappear. Paul taught what Christ taught and that was that they had to repent from their sins and turn to Christ. We, we can't do that in our own strength. And we have to give it all up to Christ in order to be able to do that. The famous philosopher Carrie Underwood said, Jesus takes the wheel. We're lucky if we get to hand out pretzels. That's the difference between a co-pilot and letting God fly the stinking plane. We're not in charge. Grace is free, but it's not cheap. We, we have to spend the time like Paul did in explaining these things. If we don't, then the wolves have easy pickings on the flock. Paul went on that he didn't ask for anything in return. His hands provided for his needs and for those with them. And then he says this in verse 35. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
We are to help those we can because it's better to give. We give our time, we give our knowledge, but most importantly, we give our heart. We give our time, we give our, we give our love. Remember the, um, remember the love story at the beginning that I referenced earlier? It's written basically from the greatest love story ever written. Anyone, anyone have any ideas as to what that is? Yeah. Romeo and Juliet, no? How about Princess Bride? No? Everybody knows that's the greatest romantic comedy ever. How about How Harry Met Sally? No? Yeah, little before your time. Just a little before your time. It's It's a huge novel that tells of a rebellious bride that turns away from her groom so many times, yet he forgives her. For centuries, he forgave her and brought her back to himself. He would lay down rules of forgiveness to bring her back to himself, and when she screwed up and still failed, he still brought her back. Ultimately, he had to sacrifice himself so that she could live. Anyone still know the story? (laughs) It is the gospel. It's the greatest love story ever because no matter how badly we treat Jesus or how badly we've sinned against him, he still sacrificed it all for us. Even knowing we could never love him as much as he loves us and knowing all the bad stuff that we do. He still did it. We see people giving up on each other today so quickly. They jump from church to church over petty arguments or silly disagreements. We don't treat each other with a brotherly love that endures or looks for the best because we just don't have the time to care that much. When we invest in somebody, we tend to open our hearts a little bit. When we give, it's far better than to receive because we get both sides. We get the joy of seeing them receive with gladness. And we get the joy of knowing that we made their lives better. When we take the time to love, we see a change in both of us. Again, Christ is the example. Jesus never stopped loving no matter what he did. The greatest story ever told is one where we received love when there was no way he could, that we could love back as much. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Jesus gave us a pattern. Paul examples that pattern. We're to example that pattern. We're to love not because they like us back, not because they fit in our clique, 
but because they're people and they're his people. The greatest love story is the greatest love story because it's not just about a groom and his bride. It's about a groom teaching all of us how to love unconditionally. Anyone can tell a story, but this one changes lives. Let's be a part of that story. Let's impact someone with love just because you can. Like our text today, you may even think they could be hostile to you. Love them anyway. Our, our work's not finished. Let's stand up and we'll pray. I got, th- I got through that pretty good. All right. Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for showing us how to be something that we can't be, Lord, but we can strive to, which is someone who, who loves unconditionally. It's, it's so difficult for us to, to go down that path because people, people can hurt us. Their words, their, their actions, they can do all kinds of things, Lord. But I think Paul is such a good example of how your mission of the gospel is more important than our feelings. Your work is more important than than anything. And I, I pray that we go out this week, Lord, and we look for opportunities to to tell somebody about you and about your love. And that we can help them, help them to see what you've done for them. They, they may hate us. They may mock us. But the work's more important. So we thank you for that. We just lift, lift everybody up this week, Lord. We pray for those who are sick again. And for um, Sandy and her back pain. And just continued, continued good results for Z-Man. And safe travel for Lori when she goes back. And we just lift this all up to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing a song before we go. Hopefully I just blow that whole thing for you. Hold on, let me make sure I turn.